welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now, at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, check out the show, take an extended lunch break here on a Monday. You deserve it. We are just one week away from Christmas. Stubb, I've still been sticking with my theme of one Christmas movie every single day. And uh, so I'd love to hear what you would suggest here for the final seven, the last week. So we'll do that on Netflix coming up at 2.15. But there is a game tonight with a ton on the line for the playoff picture as the 10-3 and Philadelphia Eagles travel across the country to face off against the Seattle Seahawks, who are 6-7, and seven, currently on the outside of the playoffs looking in. But I believe that they have a chance to get a win here at home against Philly, even though the line is currently Philly minus 3.5. So we'll go around the NFL right now here on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL. NFL Hits on A1 Radio. All right, Stubb, time for winners and losers of the week. First loser of the week has to be the Chargers, right? I mean, just it's like everyone forgot about that. Oh, no, I didn't here on a Monday. The Chargers are now 5-9 and nine after they gave up a franchise record 63 points to the Vegas Raiders. That's my first loser of the week. Who you got, Stubb? Yeah, I, I skipped Thursday night because we talked about that on Friday. And I'm going to begin with the losers because uh, this will probably be the most controversial one. So I want to get it out of the way. I don't think you're going to like this. But I think Sam Howell was a loser this weekend. Wow. You're just going to give not even the Commanders, not even Rivera, not even Biennemi. You're going to give it to Sling and Sammy here? Come they, on, they man. They benched him in the middle of the game. Any yeah. other team, if we weren't a fan of them, if I saw that happen, I would put them in the loser slot. You know what? That's a good point. At the end of the week, Stubb doesn't know the stats of the who's and the what's, the who's got the most touchdown passes, but he absolutely knows which quarterbacks have been benched. Last <laughs> week, he was all over Josh Dobbs getting benched. Now, Sling and Sammy. I, I'll accept it. Give me a dong for that. That's a loser of the week right there. All right, give me. Uh, let me let me give out a winner of the week all right. here. All right, and uh, I should say myself here because I was the only sports radio host in the country that was backing the Buffalo Bills against the Dallas Cowboys. There, everyone thought, "Oh, Dallas, the hottest team in the country. Oh, D- Dak's going to win MVP. The Cowboys are so good." The Bills came to play. Josh Allen was the reason the Bills got the big win there. How about the defensive performance from the Bills as well? Dak Prescott held to 134 yards and an interception for most of that game. Uh, He had nothing. He couldn't do anything. C.D. Lamb held to seven captures, 53 yards. It was a dominating performance by the Bills. So give me Buffalo Bills as a winner of the week. I also had the Bills here, but I specifically had James Cook rushing for them almost what was it, almost 200 yards rushing for the yeah. Bills? Yeah. That's a good performance. It really was. All right, who you got? Winner of the week. Winner of the week. I have the Lions just dominating on both sides of the field against the Broncos, who have been doing really good recently, put up so many points, held the Broncos at every opportunity. I, this was a great performance from the Lions. No, you're right. That's a good call. I almost forgot about this because I was a few pitchers deep at River City <laughs> Roll during that game. But, yeah, uh, I, I was. I remember turning to my friends uh, – and saying, 
Oh, we got a good one. This is a good <laughs> night game here. Broncos with playoff implications. Lions have been struggling. And then it was 21-0 at halftime. Not even a game in the second half. 42-17, your final score. Jared Goff, five touchdown passes. Uh, absolutely, that's a good one. How about a loser of the week here on Sunday? The Green Bay Packers, right? Packers, Buccaneers, uh, both teams needed that win here. And the Pack are not back. Boy, they yeah. did not show up at all uh, in that game. It was a dominating performance for the Bucks. The pack is not looking back. You called it there. I was against you, but I'm going to give you that one. Absolutely. All right, what you got here? Give me a winner or a loser of the week. I'm going to give you a loser here, and, and I'm sadly going to give it to Trevor Lawrence, who just could not finish out any of the drives for the, the Jaguars last night. And a really yeah. ugly fumble. Didn't even get touched and dropped that ball. Yeah, but you know what? The thing is, is... Um, as soon as they did that recording with, what's his name? Not Michael Phillips. Michael Phelps, right? Uh, <laughs> I knew the Ravens were going to win that game. I actually saw that on Saturday on social media. I thought it was brilliant, right? You know, the last time the Ravens were really good, Michael Phelps was popular. Now the Ravens are good again. Oh, let's see if we can trap, track down that uh, bong-smoking uh, swimmer once again. <laughs> Michael Phelps, looking with his long hair, and he, he said it. He said, I think everyone's sleeping on the Ravens. I've been saying it on my show. Everyone's sleeping on the Ravens, except for your boy here who still has a season-long sweat on the Ravens to win a Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, I loved what I saw from the Ravens. They're a winner of the week for me. Lamar's magic led to a awesome touchdown pass. I mean, Lamar Jackson was spectacular throughout the game. How about, do we have the Isaiah Likely touchdown for the Ravens? Yes, we do. Let me play that. They went up 9 to nothing. Here is the call in Baltimore on WBAL. Well, the Ravens at the 16-yard line. Lamar wants to throw. Lops to the end zone. Looking for his man. He's got him. Isaiah Likely. Touchdown Ravens. And I absolutely had Lamar as a winner for this week. He he is carrying that team. And they, he's got a good team to work with, but they showed the stats. He had nine seconds, eight seconds to throw the ball thanks to his O-line. He ran the most as he does every game. I'm loving Lamar. I got a, I got a final winner of the week for you here, and I'm surprised that you did not bring this game up, all right? The Steelers have been playing some up-and-down football, but what the Steelers have done all season long is played great defense. Well, the Colts showed up. Gardner Minshew, winner of the week for me. Three touchdown passes, one to tight end Mo Ali-Cox out of VCU. Mo had another touchdown pass in the end zone that he caught and then dropped when he landed, but he was good throughout the game as the Colts poured it on the Steelers 30-13 to thanks to Backup quarterback Gardner Minshew. There's been so many backup quarterbacks uh, playing this season. The Steelers had to go with Mitch Trubisky. He's awful. But Gardner Minshew, Minshew magic. And now the Colts seem to be in a pretty good spot here to make the playoffs. Yeah, I like have the same record as the Jaguars. I don't think anyone could have seen that coming. Yeah, now, absolutely. I got a big loser here for you. Okay. The Jets offense in the first half that put up four total yards. Yeah. And <laughs> Just a, a disgusting performance from them. The Jets have made the losers almost every week that I've done this bit. Ooh. I know. Did you see the report Saturday, though, that Aaron Rodgers has been medically cleared to practice? Yes or no right now, does he play this coming weekend? I say I, no. I say no. They, they, are, are, they have been eliminated from the playoff race. It would just right. be so dangerous and such a bad idea to put right. him out on it'd the be field. So, it'd be selfish of him. 
right? Yes. It'd be selfish yes, it of him uh, to just say, oh, yeah, I take ayahuasca. I come back from injuries early. A big whoop, Aaron Rodgers. You're going to re-injure yourself. That's been my take. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open throughout the show, 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck, as you can check me out here every Monday throughout football season, talking all things college football. We are just two weeks away from the college football playoffs, all things NFL. It's a misery Monday for the Commanders, but we've got a good Monday night football game to prep for you tonight with the Eagles taking on the Seahawks, but uh, Stubb, love doing my show here at Capital Ale House. It's bumping here on a Monday, uh, December 18th. Big lunch crowd, and in fact, we just had an AWOD Army listener stop by and introduce himself, and he was wearing a Maryland jacket. Love that. Uh, he said he was from the DMV, D.C. area, then moved down here to Richmond a few years ago. Of course, my mom went to Maryland. She's a Terp, and I have some great memories from watching the Terps and Gary Williams uh, growing up. But it is time... For the Richmond Commander, we do this every single day at 1 p.m. throughout the rest of football season. Once football season ends, it becomes the black and gold report at 1 p.m. And VCU did have a big win. But I've got some things to get off my chest about the Commanders. It's time for the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for the The phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. All right, the question of the day on the Richmond Commander, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Will Sam Howell be the Commander's starting quarterback next season? 833-804-0910. Call AWOD, 833-804-0910, or you can tweet me throughout the show, at AWOD Radio or at 910 The Fan. If it's a good tweet, we will read it on air. And, in fact, Trevor chimes in. says, happy Monday, AWOD and Stub. Ron Rivera actually threw laundry on the field with a red flag. He said even though it didn't help, he said he took a power nap during the third quarter. Didn't think we were going to score at all. Thankfully, we did. Yeah, that's what's so funny about the game yesterday, Stub. I really felt like... We're just not going to score any points here. We're going to have a, a game where we get blanked. And then all of a sudden, Jacoby Brissett came in and threw two touchdown passes with the quickness. And they got the commanders back into it. If the defense could have gotten a stop, it could have gotten really interesting. But let's get to AWOD's 10 takeaways. Stub, I'm going to go with number one here, and that is what I opened the show with. I still believe in Sam Howell. You absolutely have no choice for the future of the franchise, but to start Sam Howell over the next three weeks. But my takeaway number one is that Sam Howell needs to prove he's the guy over the next three weeks. What do you think about that, man? I I really, after after yesterday, I don't think he's the guy anymore. He he has to change my mind. Yeah, like not, right. he, he can't just do good like he did at the beginning. He has to do great to change my mind at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's got to put up like 24 points and, and maybe a 300-yard performance. Um, it's going to be tough against the Jets, the Niners, and the Cowboys. That's three really good defenses. Takeaway number two, you just heard the breaking news 10 minutes ago. Finally, the Commanders cut the cheese. Long snapper Cameron Cheeseman that Ron Rivera drafted. 
They always say don't draft a long snapper. Get one in free agency. Bring one in off the streets. He drafted Cameron Cheeseman. He's been awful. They finally have parted ways, releasing the long snapper. Cutting the cheese this morning. Takeaway number three. Terry McLaurin re-earned the nickname Scary Terry. I mean, am I, am I right, Stubb? He looked electrifying. He was the best player on the field probably for both teams yesterday. Yeah, I'd been out on him for a while, but I just realized that they haven't been looking at him. You put yeah. a quarterback that looks for Terry, and all of a sudden he's he's back to being our best player again. I know, and I get it. Yes, it's the end of the game. It's garbage time, and, and you know the Rams were probably playing like a prevent defense, but they threw it up to Terry three different times there, and three different times he made the catch, and two of them, uh, one of them resulted in a touchdown. Another one, unfortunately, he was down at the one-yard line, and it took the commanders about seven minutes to score after that. But uh, Scary Terry is back. He looked terrific, and um, I absolutely think when you have a wide receiver like that, you have a decent quarterback you can build around those two. Takeaway number four, I thought we really missed Brian Robinson, especially with that goal line debacle stub. I mean, Brian Robinson hasn't been the greatest running back this season. He's been much better catching the ball out of the backfield. But you can really count on him, I feel like, for short yardage situations because he's such a power back, such a, you know, put my head down, my helmet down, and run over you, north and south kind of guy. I think we really missed him yesterday. I agree. I fully agree. You can tell that we were not running the ball forward compared to anything we did when he was on our team. Yep. Number five goes back to the bet that we have with Michael Phillips. He's already. It sounds like he's already conceded the bet, Stubb. Uh, he want, he's going to be doing push-ups, getting ready uh, for the date that we have him do it on air, 50 push-ups on air. Uh, we're not going to let him do 25 on his show, 25 on my show. Nope, we're going to do all 50 in one segment during crosstalk here while we mic him up as he starts to choke. And uh, probably he might need us to call the ER. <laughs> 50 push-ups seems to be a lot for a newspaper guy uh, like himself. Nothing against you newspaper guys. I've just I've never met a newspaper guy that I felt like could beat me in a fight. All right, uh, and that's a shot at David Teal. No, I'm just kidding. 14-time <laughs> sports writer of the year uh, and a legend though, I saw Saturday at the VCU game. Uh, takeaway number five, though, is the defense has gotten worse. I mean, Cooper Cup could not have been more open, right? It's been a theme in the NFL this year that started with Mike McDaniels and the Miami Dolphins. He's such an incredible offensive mind. Of course, he started his career in Washington. Same with Sean McVay, who took a page out of McDaniels' book where he had Cooper Cup go in motion before the start of the play. Because of that, he had his speed already up in top gear, and nobody in Washington even thought to fuck freaking guard a guy like Cooper Cup and so he was just so wide open and they didn't even come within 20 feet of him the most wide open play I've ever seen takeaway number six the offensive line does not seem to be even trying hard right I mean my goodness on some of these goal line situations they get no push on third down Sam Howell's constantly running for his life it seems like anytime an opposing team blitzes they get right past our offensive line Takeaway number seven is that Ron Rivera actually threw the challenge flag. Uh, that that kind of shocked me that he did that. We lost the challenge. Uh, the NFL seems to always go against the commanders. I think he should have thrown it twice. I think you respect Terry McLaurin for the effort that he made on that play in which they initially called it a catch. Right? Did that drive you crazy, Stubb, watching the game? They called it a catch on the sideline. It's an amazing one-handed grab. And then within, like, 30 seconds, they changed their call. Yeah, and it's I— like, 
I think Michael tweeted, if they're going to look at it, did they not look at the pass interference that happened? Right. I, right. Based on, they well, that's that's an yeah. issue with the with the NFL and the rules is they can't look at pass interference. They should be able to um, by now, right, with how many issues they, they've had with it. But I just think, like, the NFL screwed Terry, and if I was the head coach, I would respect his effort there and at least throw the challenge flag. You know, who cares if you lose your timeout? You're already down by 14 or 21 points at that time. Throw the challenge flag again. Takeaway number eight. I don't know about you, Stubb. I almost think the Rams took it easy on the Commanders. I don't know if, like, Sean McVay felt bad for Ron <laughs> Rivera or felt bad for the fan base um, because, you know, he knows so many people in this area from his time here. But to me, it felt like the Rams could have won that game by 20 and they put their foot off the pedal. Did that? Did it feel that way to you? It just seems like they weren't really making those final drives. I mean, they put up 450 yards on us. They just weren't right. scoring the points when they got to the red zone, which – yeah. I don't know if they were taking it easy or if they just didn't want to get anyone hurt because they knew they would win no matter what. Yeah, a little unlucky, too, with with a couple of fumbles, right? It's not like the commander's defense did anything to force those fumbles. It was just guys dropping the ball. Takeaway number nine, I, I've been saying this for weeks, cannot wait for Ron Rivera to be fired. It's going to be it's gonna be as good as winning a Super Bowl. Like I, I want to push the restart button on the, quarter, on the head coach position so badly. And, you know, of course – the Chargers beat us to it, right? Of course, several teams, including the Raiders, beat us to it, firing their head coach. When you're in a head coaching uh, situation like Washington where it's a lame duck season, I do not understand why you're holding on to Ron Rivera. Give somebody else the opportunity of a lifetime to coach an NFL team. Takeaway number 10, I'm still a Coach Eric Bieniemy fan as the offense coordinator, but I'm starting to feel like he's got a few weaknesses. Right, like I really think I love his play calling on first down. I like his play calling on second downs. I feel like he's got a, a, a short yardage issue, and it might just be the offensive line. Right, you're so limited when it's third and one, fourth and one. You can't just run a tush push like the Eagles. You can't just QB sneak it or turn it off, turn around, and hand it to a running back because of that situation. He's forced to call plays uh, that don't have a high success rate, and so I, I just I don't know. I think he has a weakness with short yard situation. Maybe it's just the offensive line. You can tell me. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio. 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. We'll catch up with our buddy Matthew Paris, who used to cover the Commanders, now is in New Orleans covering the Saints. We'll go around the NFL with him at 2 p.m. Of course, there's a few local stories here in Richmond that I want to touch on in the 2 o'clock hour as well. But joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, columnist for 106.7 The Fan, and Sergeant Snyder in the AWOD Army. It's Rick Snyder. What's going on, Rick? We're in a full retreat up here, AWOD. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's been bad. And so, uh, you know, I started the show by saying I'm still a believer in Sam Howell. And I absolutely think the best way for the franchise to move forward here is to keep him as the starter for the final three weeks. But he's got to prove it to me. If he wants to be the starter next year over these last three weeks here, all of a sudden these next three weeks really matter in terms of my Howell evaluation. What do you think? Um, not so much because the next coach is going to be evaluating, and he'll have a different 
clipboard than we do. Um, you know, it, they have a chance of getting a number two overall pick if they lose this week. Right. Uh, and we're, and well, we're that's why I kind of think Sam's playing for his job, right? I mean, if Sam if Sam keeps losing, they're going to have no choice but drafting a quarterback because they'll be at number two overall. Yeah, absolutely. Then you have to. I mean, you can't pass up a chance. Although I, I am not a Caleb guy at all, I would pass. I'd trade down if that's the guy. Can you convince me why you're not a Caleb guy? I think he is a bust for the pros mentally. You know, I just see things. I don't think he can handle the pro game and it's stress. You know, Mm -hmm. does he have the ability? Yeah. But look at all the things that have happened, uh, you know, with, with, you know, needing a break and crying and once part of a franchise, which can't happen under the salary cap, you know, where's your mind at? I mean, it's, I just don't see him working out at all on the pros. So I would wow. not go with him as a two. No, no. Um, and, you know, Sam, I've been a big Sam guy. I think Sam is gas, though. And I think, really, if it were me, there's not a problem with starting Jacoby Brissett this one game. And then let Sam come back for the last two and see what he can do. This game is going to be a big evaluation. You're playing another rotten team. Show me what you do against San Francisco and Dallas. Now the whole team is gassed out. They 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 came back from the bye and said, seriously, we got to really play four more, <laughs> you know. And so that's that's that problem is. And I know people are going, look how the offensive line blocked for Jacoby. Totally different game situation at that point. Now they're playing yeah. prevent defense, you know. So that that's people who talk about that don't know football. Um, I just think it's okay to give Sam a break, just like they did Emmanuel Forbes earlier this year. In seventeen games is a long time. And some and new players like they are have a hard time. We used to talk about the college slump for first year players after ten games. They get to maybe Thanksgiving and they'd wear out. Now the college season now goes on forever, so you don't see that as much. But you do see a difference uh at times with, with first year players getting passed into December. They're not used to playing that, uh, except for the really good teams. So I, I just think maybe he's gassed and needs a break. Rick, you said something that brings up my point from earlier in the season where I feel like Josh Harris failed this fan base by sticking with Ron Rivera because you said they they went through the bye week and they're like, oh, do we really have to play these final four weeks? And I felt like that's what we saw on the field. I don't think they want to play for Ron Rivera anymore, right? And and so if they have nothing to play for, it's going to hurt our evaluation of the quarterback with Sam Howell. And and so I I just – I really feel like, look, the Chargers made a move. You know, several other teams have made a move. What is Josh Harris waiting for here? Is it just, oh, yeah, well, Ron's losing games, so it's better for draft picks. I think Harris does not want to look like a reactionary like Dan Snyder. That's his number one deal. Don't look like Dan Snyder. Okay, so everybody wants to fire Ron for Christmas. I mean, seriously, what's that going to be worth? Did you notice that in the Chargers – one of the assistant coaches said, I don't want to be the interim coach because he didn't want those losses coming on his resume. He said, I want to coach somewhere else. Classic move. So he stayed away. You're not going to get anybody else. Nothing's going to change. Just let it bleed out and be done with it already. Uh, this this team isn't going to do anything no matter who's coaching it. And I just – I wouldn't have fired Ron before the season started, like you say Harris could have, because who are you going to get, you know, at right. that point? You know, and then, and then are you just going to have him come in for one year? That looks even stupider. So you have to just ride this one out, and, you know, we'll see who they get. I mean, it's it's hard to say. It's an attractive situation of, you know, an owner who has 
not proven to be a bad owner, uh, except to me, I would not have sent out ticket renewal forms a week a week earlier before Christmas with an eight percent increase. I would have let that slide a couple of weeks, but you know, and he's about money, so we saw something there about him. But you've got probably a good owner. They're going to put money into practice facilities, for instance, uh, things like that. You've got a you know a high draft picks in the draft. You got a lot of cap money you can spend. Uh, you're going to have hopefully a, the general manager will be a real key there too because let's just say they, they sign somebody that people don't like, you know, in the business, then yeah. maybe you don't want to coach for that. That's a key thing too. Uh, I don't know how that'll play out yet, but you know, but things are coming. They'll get better. It'll be a busy January. Rick Snyder with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media at Snyder underscore remarks so look I, I i personally would have fired ron rivera after the bears game and then against the first the first game against the giants and then again after the second game with tommy devito beating us uh, for the giants but i understand what you're saying he doesn't want to be reactionary um but the players don't want to play for him and, and so i think that's what it comes down to here and that's why you're seeing um, some of these awful performances especially on the defensive side of the ball and so Michael Phillips and I have been doing our bet Rick I believe you're aware of it over the next few weeks here we're determining whether or not the defense improved at all under Ron Rivera's defensive play calling in charge of the defense what do you think has it improved at all has it gotten worse or stayed the same well he only gave up what 28 yesterday so Theoretically, that's better. Um, you know, it's not that they don't want to play for Ron. It's that they really don't want to play at this point. It's not, you know, Ron hasn't. They know right, but what about back. the quotes from Montez Sweat that Matt Eberflus has them wanting to play for him? Uh, they're in a similar situation, aren't they? No, because Montez just signed a big money deal, you know, <laughs> there, and and he's gotten the carrot in front of the stick thing, you know, and a new fresh start. And players always play well when they go to a new city, at least in the beginning. I mean, Montez has this rare thing. We're still looking it up. Could he lead two teams in the same season in sacks? Because right now he leads the Bears and he leads Commanders. I've never <laughs> seen anything like that. I've talked to some historians. We're looking it up. That that's a bizarre thing. Now, why is Montez playing even better there? Well, I think things fit better for him there. You don't see Chase playing better. Chase is still watching plays. You know, that's that's the one I would have gotten rid of more than Montez. But you know, without money. And they got a second rounder for him, so they couldn't turn it down. Uh, I just don't, you know, if you had gotten rid of Ron in the middle of the season, who are you going with, EB? Well, everybody wants to fire EB now. So I don't think he's staying, to be honest. And the fans are unhappy with him. You, you got rid of Del Rio. I mean, what was a special teams coach going to do it? Well, he can't get the snapper to get the ball back there. They got rid of <laughs> Cheeseman today. Uh, so <laughs> there isn't any, there's no options here. Just let, it, let the plane crash and burn. And we'll start over with a new plane. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of funny. Cameron Cheeseman was quoted after the game saying, I've been worried about my job, basically, uh, because most teams would have cut me by now. And then today, he was cut. <laughs> well, the amazing part of me with Cheeseman is, is for two years, he was okay. Okay, he wasn't great, but he was okay. And, and I never understood why they got rid of Nick Sundberg before. That totally baffled me on that. But... She's been said during training camp, I've changed my grip. I'm working on some things. Why? You've got one thing to do. And if you, as long as you do it, nothing else matters. It's not like you're a D lineman and you got to get a different spin move because they figured Chase out already, that kind of thing. You just got to snap the ball back there. And I guess he got into his own head 
And, you know, he's just been, you know, going with danger the whole time. We'll find out around 3 o'clock if the punter's still in one piece, thanks to that bad snap. Yeah, that's a, he's, a worth, he's your best player. And uh, so, you know, Cheeseman cost himself there. It's just like, wow, your own worst enemy. Rick, always appreciate you taking the time to join the show, man. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for having me. Yep, that is Sergeant Snyder in the AWOD Army, Rick Snyder. Follow him on social media at Snyde underscore remarks. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, check out the show, grab some food, great burgers, amazing wings, a good beer selection. Take an extended lunch break here on a Monday. You deserve it. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. It is a Monday, December 18th, and I'm broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck, as you can catch me here every Monday throughout the football season. And We've spent a lot of time talking about the NFL, but there's also college basketball going on, and there are a ton of good teams in the state of Virginia, including the 10-0 James Madison Dukes, and that's where we will start here on University Drive. Let's go to University Drive. Scores, buzzer beaters, madness. All the college basketball in the state of Virginia. We'll follow your favorite teams all season long. University Drive on AWOD Radio. Yeah, this has been a really good season for the Dukes. 10-0, first place in the Sun Belt with a game tomorrow, 7 p.m., against Coppin State, and they've had several different leading scorers. T.J. Bickerstaff, 21 in their win over ODU. Xavier Brown, 17 off the bench when they defeated Hampton. So it's just been a lot of even scoring for JMU. And, man, statistically, that that offense is has been hot. I mean, you've got five different guys that are averaging double figures. They're all shooting the three-point ball really well, including two guys above 42% from three. And it's uh, led the Dukes to a number 20 in the country rating as they just can't lose a game, it seems like, in basketball. How about over to the Spiders here of University of Richmond? Six and five with a win against Charlotte. Their next game will be against Buffalo on Wednesday, but tomorrow on AWOD Radio, the head coach of the Richmond Spiders, Coach Mooney, will join the show. Now, I didn't watch the game against Charlotte, but I did see the game against Florida, and it felt like Richmond had a lot of opportunities in that game to come back and, and win the game. Uh, but you know with, under Mooney, they're going to be really coached well. They're going to be a good defensive team. They've been good at home this year. They're 5-0 and at home. And I'm really impressed by Bigelow, the forward. Uh, but I also think that center Neil Quinn has really made some strides. Last year, I felt like watching the Spiders, he was just an awkward seven-footer. Now I feel like he's got some... He's got some moxie. He's got some uh, game there. You can give it to him down low, and he can get a bucket. He doesn't need to be helped out by his teammates. Uh, he had 11 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks, and a steal 
in their last win. And, of course, you know Coach Mooney runs that Princeton offense, so it's not surprising to see their forwards and their centers having assist totals like that. And uh, it's been a a decent season for the Spiders, and I, I know Richmond Spider fans are just hoping that the A-10 can be a multi-bid league so that you don't have to win three games in four days in March in Brooklyn to be included in the NCAA tournament. Over to the Hoos of UVA. The Virginia Cavaliers are 9-1, 1-0 in conference play. They're coming off of a good win against Northeastern on Saturday. I watched that game. Northeastern led for most of the first half. UVA's pack line defense just disrupted everything Northeastern was doing in the second half. They come from behind to win that game as Reese Beekman came up late, and that's what Tony Bennett described as one of those smash-mouth games, a back-and-forth defensive battle. Who's going to get the final stop? Who's going to get the clutch bucket? It was UVA, and I do think it was a bit of a trap game, though. I know I've spoke with many UVA fans who were looking past that game and looking at tomorrow's contest as UVA will travel to face off against number 23, Memphis, coached by Penny Hardaway. We saw them at the Siegel Center uh, just about a week and a half ago. Came away, escaped with a narrow victory in overtime. Uh, but this will be a, a tougher test for Memphis uh, against an incredibly defensive team in UVA. And uh, what I want to see if I'm a member of the Hoos, if I'm a fan of UVA, is I want to see multiple guys go off for 15 or 20 points. This season, it feels like it's been done or it's been Beekman. What happened to Isaac McNeely? Why can't we see him score double digits anymore? Can we get some production off the bench from Leon Bond? Can it be Buchanan uh, to provide a few buckets off the bench for UVA? I just think they need the second unit uh, to contribute more over these next few contests, especially with that game coming up tomorrow against Memphis. VCU 6-5 and five here and with a game coming up on Friday against Maryland Eastern Shore. and uh, Like we talked about earlier here on the Black and Gold Report is that this is a different VCU team here now that they have Joe Bamisil. And it will be a completely different roster once they get Sean Bairstow back who led the team in points, rebounds, and assists in the preseason. We are starting to see the roster that Coach Odom put together throughout the season. Last thing here, we move over to the 8-3 Hokies of Virginia Tech. 6-0 at home, and they're coming off of a 22-point victory against Vermont in which Sean Padula came back into the lineup, had seven points, an assist, and two rebounds. Hunter Couture continued his sharpshooting throughout the season. Two of five from deep, 40%. He had 10 points. But it's been Lynn Kidd uh, who has been really good uh, for the Hokies down low. He had 17 and 11, a nice double-double. Um, but what I love about the Hokies this season is, yes, they've got a good backcourt. They've got a guy that they can count on at the center position uh, with Kidd. But they've got a third score, score in Tyler Nickel. They've got some bench production. All right, I really like my Lysel Poteet off the bench. I think Robbie Barron can be a scorer for them off the bench. It feels like this is a, a deep uh, Coach Young squad. Reminds me of the deep squad that he had when they shocked everyone and won the ACC tournament 
just a few years ago. So uh, it has been a good season for the Hokies, but things are going to get a little more difficult over these next few weeks here for Virginia Tech. And then, of course, the ACC, in my mind, still the best league in college basketball. They're going to beat each other up. So a game on Thursday for the Hokies against American, and then conference play begins December 30th when they take on Wake Forest. That's a road game to start uh, conference play. Actually, two straight road games at Wake Forest, at Florida State, and then a tough contest against the top team currently in the ACC. That's Clemson uh, with one of the best scorers in the country, P.J. Hall. So it is a difficult schedule for Virginia Tech right out of the gates here in the ACC. Two road contests, then Clemson, then Miami, then oh yeah, you got to travel to face off against in-state rival for a Commonwealth Cup matchup at number 22, Virginia, and then another road game at NC State before returning home against Boston College. So we really know, we really will know by the end of January how good this Virginia Tech team can be led by Mike Young this season. I'm Adam Epstein. You've been listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.